Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to Draft Sites Podcast. Today we got Jared Belson and Zach Gutierrez. DJ is not going to be able to join us tonight, but he will give us the second half of his team needs. I promise you that. He promised it last week. It'll be coming this week. So stay up to date uh, on the site. You'll see updates there. He's going to be blogging all week with all the pro days. He's been doing his notes. Uh, news and notes every single day, and the mock drafts been updating. We're going to get videos on the mock draft uh, on all the player profiles pretty soon. We've had a lot of people voting on the uh, each individual user mock draft, and if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's a great tool. You can create your own mock draft, and you can share it with your friends. And uh, we're going to have more coming, so you'll see the changes. But keep coming to DraftSide.com and keep keep coming to the blog, DraftSide.wordpress.com, and you'll be up to date on all the latest NFL draft news. So today we're going to talk about Zach, and we're going to talk about the NFL free agency and how we think that's going to affect this upcoming draft in a few months. So, uh, Zach, you want to say hello? Yeah, it's nice to be back on. It's been a, probably a five-week break for me, so I definitely got a lot to say. All right, let's start with uh, free agency, or, or what, what technically are all just rumors until Tuesday until they could actually sign. What, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far? This really doesn't have much to do with free agency, but the fact that Patrick Willis retired today was pretty shocking mm-hmm. to me. Only being 30 years old, some could argue that he was in the prime of his career. Uh, I definitely did not see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, the Patriots declining Revis's options is big news, but it's it's not something that's Shocking. Andre Johnson being released from the, the Texans, maybe the greatest player in Texans history, is a little bit shocking because he's the greatest player in Texans history, but uh, it, it was uh, known to the media and to people in Houston that Andre Johnson wanted a chance to play for a winner and play on the team with a winning quarterback. So I'm, I'm assuming he's going to head somewhere with a, with a proper quarterback. Steelers cutting Kiesel. Brent Kiesel, as a Steelers fan, it upsets me, but it doesn't surprise me. They're probably going to end up changing uh, their defense schematically. Dick LeBeau is no longer the coordinator. They'll probably run more of a hybrid defense. You know, he was 35, 36 anyways. Let's go back to Patrick Willis real quick because I read that and I said, you know what, that takes, that takes a lot of guts to do. If you're 30 years old and you've already made millions of dollars and you can walk away from your career with millions of dollars in your pocket and retire but actually be able to walk because most of these football players will, will try to play until they're 35, you know, 38, some of them especially the linebackers, and then they're in a wheelchair from uh, ages 50 to, you know, till their death. So I give them credit. If I was, you know, at 30 years old, if I could retire like that and the choice was either retire at 30 or bang my head against the office wall every day, because that's essentially what he's doing. He's going into work and just banging his head against the wall. I would choose retirement, too, and I give him a lot of credit for that. It's tough when it's something that you love. A lot of people go into the office and bang their head against the wall in a job they don't love to do. Patrick Willis is very passionate about football, but uh, from what I've read, what limited uh, media there is on it, they say it was some sort of spiritual awakening that uh, forced the decision or, or influenced the decision. So until more comes out, I mean, it's just surprising when you have maybe the best middle linebacker in the game retiring in his prime. 
And let's go, let's go to Revis, your second point, because, uh, you know, I think when they signed Revis to that two-year deal, they never expected him, they never expected to take that team option on him the second year. I think they just wanted to have it, that they had it as a placeholder so that they could sign him. But, you know, was it a mistake signing him to a, a, a team option deal where now he's an unrestricted free agent as opposed to, say, a restricted free agent? I mean, when you're coming off a Super Bowl victory, nothing that you've done in the past is a poor decision. You can't question the team that just won the Super Bowl. If he wants to be back and winning is important to him, which I think it is, I'm, I, I think, I'm not sure, uh, you know, where his head's at. But, uh, you know, like I said, the team just won the Super Bowl. Nothing they – I won't criticize a single move the Patriots have made because as of right now they're the defending champions. That's a very good point. And, and I'll be honest with you, I thought on paper, on paper, their roster last year was the worst – it's been in the last decade, yet they were able to pull it together and win. So that's, in my mind, it, it says, I don't know, you know, they know and I don't. So I'll, I'll give them. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's just flat wrong. It wasn't as sexy as in years past, but you look at the years that the Patriots won Super Bowls with David Patton and Troy Brown as their pass catchers, with Antoine Smith as their running back. Yes, they didn't have the sexy players, but defensively, this is probably the most talented Patriot team, you could argue, under the Belichick era just in terms of uh, speed and uh, pass rushing ability? I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, I think you had um, you had some big injuries at, at linebacker. You know, you were starting a lot of pass work guys. Coming into the end of the season, I, sh- I should say, on paper, I thought this was the worst team at the end of the season that they've had on paper. I mean, I think there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of question marks uh, on the offensive line. Their defensive, their defensive line was, was pretty good, but, where they start? Allen Branch, uh, an old Vince Wilfork. Uh, you know, some of their defensive ends have never broken double-digit sacks. You know, they, Akeem Ayers instead of Gerard Mayo. Akeem Ayers was, was cut. I mean, their secondary, sure, was, you know, really came together. But, uh, you know, on paper, I, I thought it was I thought it was the weakest. And, you, again, I was wrong. They won. But that just shows how strong, of a, you know, uh, a team and organization they are. Yeah, it's a passing league when you have uh, Devin Courtney, Darrell Revis, Brandon Browner. You're, I mean, that that was a secondary that was not quite Seattle's caliber, but up there, probably the uh, probably the best in the AFC. Let's go back to Andre Johnson now. Uh, so he was released. Are are you surprised that they couldn't figure out any trade whatsoever? Were they a late round draft pick for Andre Johnson? His salary was too ridiculous to trade. He would have to approve the trade, too. It's been He's voiced his concerns about playing for the Houston Texans for a while. Granted, the Texans are a great organization. Bob McNair's a great owner. The team's on the up-and-up, but Andre Johnson is not on the up-and-up. He's, uh, he's a 12-year veteran. He wants, to, he wants to win. He wants to have a chance to play in an AFC championship or a Super Bowl, and the Texans aren't the team that they were with Matt Schaub. So he's going to have his uh, options to go to a, a team that uh, you know he has a chance to to win with and maybe a team because uh, he's never played with an elite quarterback. You know, some might say that Shaw during his best years was, you know, among the elite, but I don't think he ever crossed. I don't that think anybody team. would argue that. But yeah, he was mediocre. He was he's definitely upper, a, a little above average. He had a couple of exceptional years. Um, I think it yeah, was back in. They don't have that. They don't have that right now. The Texans. Two thousand nine. 29 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and 4,700 yards. That year, people were saying he might be getting close to the elite. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one year. One one year when you have Arian Foster and uh, Andre Johnson also in their prime. That didn't help. I mean, that didn't hurt. Yeah. 
But yeah, it was one, so year, it was one year, but. So you obviously don't think Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett are the answers there in Houston, do you? I mean, they, they could be the answers. Like I said, it's a team on the up and up. They got a lot of good young players, but, uh, from Andre Johnson's perspective, wouldn't it be nice to play with an elite quarterback? Where do you think is the best fit for him? I'm not really f- too familiar with the cap situations, but I could, uh, if he's playing for a discount, I could see him playing for, like, maybe the Saints, perhaps. This is a long shot, but in my head, if they don't keep Vincent Jackson, the Bucks with Jameis Winston would be a very, very good team, lining up opposite uh, on Mike Evans. So I think he takes two things into consideration. Maybe three things, multiple things, but the the quarterback, the system, and maybe the uh, the wide receivers that line up next to him. Maybe the San Diego Chargers, right. maybe the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, but I think he wants to be that number one guy again. And if he goes to Tampa Bay, it's a similar situation where they have a dynamic young wide receiver and an unproving quarterback. Despite you know, even though he might be great, he's still going to be a rookie in Tampa Bay. I mean, can you see a team like New England or Seattle finding him? Seattle. I could, I could see making a move. But if he wants to play for a discount, I mean, it's up to him. It's just his, uh, you know, how much he was he was projected to make. You know, that's why there was no trade. So if he's willing to play for a discount, he can play anywhere he wants. And I don't think he wants to be the number one receiver. I don't think any receiver wants to be the number one receiver. The best way to uh, limit the double coverage is, is have a receiver of your caliber on the team. I don't think in his head, a guy like Andre Johnson that barely speaks, that's considered one of the most humble guys in the NFL, is saying, I want the, to be the number one receiver on paper. It's like a oh, symbiotic yeah. relationship. So the reason why Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are so good with each other, and for a few years, Roddy White and uh, Julio Jones or Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris go back a little while. Um, it's not a number one. You got to have a one and a one A, and uh, I think uh, it, it benefits both receivers. With a guy like Andre Johnson, I mean, you could have a one and a two. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a one A. And I think just getting some coverage away from him might might be helpful for him. I think he. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he wants to prove to the Texans that they were wrong for trying to find a replacement for him so early and, and not utilizing him as much, not finding a quarterback. I think he's going to want to go somewhere where uh, where he can flourish in a, in a high-octane high offense and he can put up a lot of numbers. Yeah, he looked good, uh, he, good opposite Larry Fitzgerald, too. Going back to your Steelers here, Kiesel's done. I mean, is he going to retire? Are they the next San Francisco 49ers next week where, you know, it's time for their guys to just start retiring already? I mean, I follow James Harrison very closely on Instagram. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely training as if he's going to play. I'm not sure if it'll be with the Steelers. Um, I'm curious to see schematically what they're going to do next year. They're going to be more of a hybrid because people forget that Mike Tomlin did not come from was a defensive coordinator and was not a 3-4 defense coordinator. He was a Tampa 2 defense coordinator. I think they'll run more of a hybrid defense next year, as you know, Dick LeBeau is uh, in Tennessee. Losing Kiesel is anticipated. If Harrison doesn't come back, I kind of anticipated that too. If Paul Malu retires, then you can start to throw him in the category of the 49ers, but they're not in the category of the 49ers. This is like, that would be like if Lawrence Timmons retired. When, you're, when your best player on defense, who's 30 years old, retires. It's it's shocking, and the Steelers are definitely not going to be in that boat. Well, you know, the 49ers also lost uh, Justin Smith to retirement. He Justin changed. Smith was like Kiesel's age. He's like he, Justin Smith was in yeah, the he upper, was ready to retire. Yeah. He wasn't nearly as effective. I think the steroids wore off. <laughs> All right. So what do you think about Miami here signing Namakin Sue? 
You think, it's, you know, they have a great the right piece around them? Yeah, I do. I think having him and Cameron Wake on the same defensive line, is, is, it's going to cause nightmares. And uh, and Dominick Sue's cut from the same cloth as J.J. Watt. He's that same caliber of pass rusher. And, uh, I mean, Stephen Ross wanted him. Stephen Ross made it very apparent that he wanted him, and, and they went out and got him. Defensively, uh, Miami looks like they could be, you know, the team to compete with uh, the Patriots next year in the East. I thought it was a great play. I think if you're going to pay anybody that type of money, it's always good to pay somebody on the defense line in the trenches that's in the prime of his career, somebody that's very passionate about football, and he brings a certain attitude to the team. And although some people think it's a bad attitude, it's, this is still football we're talking about. So uh, I thought it was a great signing. Cameron let's, Wake let's that, is going to make for a very formidable D-line. Let's look at that Miami roster real quick. I mean, you mentioned that defensively they're going to be much improved, and offensively they might still have some to go. Where do you think they need to fill the most holes in this upcoming draft to actually be successful in the AFC East? I mean, they really couldn't run the ball last year at all. Uh, Lamar Miller had, like, uh, some, some solid games. They, they, they lacked a running game. I think in the secondary they really need to, to improve, and uh, they can always use a little help around the offensive line. I think uh, picking at 14, it's going to be too high to pick a running back. You can get running backs later in the draft. They have pass catchers. I'm not sure – what the situation is with Mike Wallace, whether they'll keep Mike Wallace. If I were to pick somebody for them to pick in the draft, I'd have to go somewhere in the secondary just based on where they're picking in the draft. If they're picking later in the draft, like in the, the mid to late 20s, I'd say consider Melvin Gordon or, or Todd Gurley. History has shown under Stephen Ross, I mean, they haven't really made the sexy pick. So I, I could see them always getting a pass rusher or somebody in the secondary. Well, right now on draft side, and, and this probably has to be adjusted, we have them taking Devontae Parker at number 14, and then Cornus Grasso, the center from Oregon, in the second round, and T.J. Yeldon, the running back, uh, out of Alabama in the third round. What do you think of those first three picks? It depends what they do with Mike Wallace, because, uh, I mean, Jarvis Landry looked really good last year, but he's a, he's a guy that you can really play in, in the slot, and he would be just as effective I like the, the fact that they're getting T.J. Yeldon in the third round if they don't get a running back in the second round. I think they really need to uh, look into the secondary, though. So, somewhere in the secondary they got to go. If they didn't address the secondary in the first three rounds, that would surprise me. What do you think about some of the, There were some other big signings. Um, the Raiders signed Rodney Hudson, and to some that might not sound sexy because it's a center. Uh, to me, it's a little more confusing because they drafted Stephen uh, Wisniewski, couple years ago, and he actually played pretty well. Do they try to move him to guard, or do they try to just restock on their offensive line there in Oakland? Well, he, he's scheduled to become a free agent with Nooski. So maybe yeah. they're not re-signing him. Maybe they'll move him to guard. I don't know. Uh, the Raiders have to spend money this year. I believe there's a rule in the NFL where you have to spend, I think, at least $89 million of your cap. I forget what the exact amount is. And they have a lot of money to spend, so expect the Raiders to be very active in free agency. Well, what do you think they need uh, first in free agency and then in the draft? Uh, they need a lot uh, of running back to, to complement McFadden would be nice, and obviously a pass catcher. I don't think you'll see a single mock draft where you don't see Amari Cooper or Kevin White going to the to the Raiders. I mean, they, they definitely need a pass catcher. They got their quarterback. They just got to surround him with some playmakers. Don't be surprised if they if they go pass catcher in the first and second round, especially with. Uh, how these college wide receivers are adjusting to the NFL game so quickly. But they need a lot. I mean, they're, they're, they're not a good team. So, I mean, you, any quality player, they, they could probably go well with. But uh, I'm seeing a lot of Kevin White. And uh, if Al Davis was still the owner, which you know, obviously it's still in the Davis family, Kevin White would almost be a no-brainer. But uh, maybe they go against their 
you know, that Raider nature of just speed and take Amari Cooper. But I think it'll be very unlikely that they don't take a uh, wide receiver fourth overall, unless somebody like Leonard Williams slips to them. And I really don't see Leonard Williams going past the, the Jaguars, so I think it's going to be between White or Cooper, whoever they like more. Let's talk about some other signings. Uh, the Chicago Bears signed Pernell McPhee for a deal, five-year deal worth about $40 million. What do you think about that signing, and where do you think they could use the help in draft? Uh, I, I mean, I like what the Bears are doing. I liked Mark Trestman, but uh, you know, results speak louder than you know, my liking of somebody, they're putting together a pretty pretty solid foundation with, uh, uh, if you were to look at their coaching staff on paper, you can make an argument that they uh, they have arguably the best coaching staff. Uh, Pernomic C is exactly, is perfect in Vic Fangio's system. I mean, you can't argue with that. It's going to be interesting to see the Bears running a, a 3-4, and I think uh, in the draft for free agency, they got to start getting defensive linemen that, that, that fit Vic Fangio's defense and uh, a lot of mock drafts are showing uh, Danny Shelton. Um, maybe you get a, a Randy Gregory to play outside linebacker. But I think they they have a lot to do on the defensive side of the ball, not just because they were really, really, really haven't been good lately, but because they're doing a, uh, a new scheme. They're going to look a lot like the 49ers on defense. Well, what, do you, what do you think a guy like Jared Allen's going to do? He's not going to stay to be an outside linebacker, right? Well, yeah, he, he doesn't fit schematically. So, I mean, that's somebody that could retire. You know, I know that he likes to hunt. <laughs> I haven't heard any news about him. I can't I can't say. He's definitely not really a fit uh, for Vic Fangio, unless he could play like uh, a Justin Smith, like Justin Smith's role, which he he's big enough. He is big enough to do, so it's not too far-fetched. So maybe he plays the five technique, which I think he might be yeah, capable maybe. of doing. He's six Yeah, I think six, at this point in his career, it would be good for him. Um, you know, one of the signings that I that I, that I really like was Mike uh, Mike Ayupati going to Arizona. Uh, Arizona seems to just kind of be kind of reloading a little bit, and I think you know they're they're filling their offensive line. They have Bobby young young guys and Bobby Massey, Jared Feld here. Um, you got a guy like Mike Ayupati and Jonathan Cooper they drafted a few years ago. I think that's an offensive line that could that could really do some damage and allow their uh, allow their offense to kind of have another successful year and hopefully keep Palmer healthy. Do you think a team like Arizona should be drafting a, a quarterback? Yeah, well, when your quarterback is coming off his second major knee surgery in his career and he's as old as Carson Palmer, it, it definitely doesn't hurt. I know they drafted Logan Thomas and maybe he's the the quarterback of the future, but he didn't see the field last year. So I'd say, yeah, if you find one that you like that's the quarterback of the future, you, you should definitely consider pulling the trigger. So they're, they're picking late. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll fall in love with um, somebody like Brent Hunley that's still available or, I don't know, Bryce Petty, maybe in the second round. But this is a team that's very close to being able to compete, especially with the 49ers probably going through some sort of transitional year. Uh, the Cardinals are probably going to draft to win right now. So uh, I, I, if they get a quarterback, I don't see them getting one until, you know, round three. But, you know, Bruce Arians is an offensive-minded coach. He's probably got somebody in mind that if they fall, they'll get him. But this is a team that could very easily compete for the NFC next year, not just the NFC West. So I, I don't see them doing drafting a quarterback that's, that's not going to play. Now, do you think the Lions are going to immediately draft uh, another defensive tackle? to kind of reload, or do you think they'll try to sign Nick Fairley and, uh, you know, go with what they have? 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted the defensive tackle, but when you look at the, the defensive tackle class, I mean, maybe Eddie Goldman falls to them. Uh, I, I really don't know. I think they got to go out and get a running back to, to complement Junk Bell, and I think they're picking perfectly at 23 to have their pick of Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley because, you know, Reggie Bush is no longer back. This is a team that um, definitely needs a running back, and is picking in the perfect position at 23 to draft a running back because there's two running backs that are probably warrant. Uh, a, a top 25 selection. Gurley and the Gordon. Gordon, obviously, over Gurley, but, yeah, Gordon and Gurley. Right. No, I don't think Gordon making it that far. I think Gurley definitely could because of his injury, but if Gordon and Gurley are off the board, do you think any of the other running backs are worthy of uh, jumping up for? Mm, in the first round, it's unlikely. you got to keep in mind that, um, I mean, there, there's running backs don't get drafted in the first round anymore. Uh, maybe maybe Amir Abdullah because he's cutting the cutting the same cloth that Reggie Bush was cut from. But uh, yeah, I really don't uh, see it. And I'd be surprised if Amir Abdullah was drafted in the first round. And and then that's probably, that's the third guy on most boards. Yeah, well, we have uh, Tevin Coleman from Indiana, uh, Indiana as our number three guy off the board. What do you think of him? Uh, obviously amazing considering he ran, I think he ran for over 2,000 yards from uh, on Indiana. I mean, I saw him do it against against Ohio State. He ran for over 200 yards. I mean, he's a, he's a really, really quality back, but it's all about the value. There's a lot of guys like him that can be drafted in the second round, and it's just how the NFL draft's been going lately. It's it's rare to see running backs drafted in the first round. So unless it's Melvin Gordon or maybe Todd Gurley, uh, I, I would be surprised if any other running backs get picked, you know, in the first 32. Well, I think, you know, and I think in the in the past few drafts, um, I think the running backs have been a little weak. I mean, you look at last year's draft, and it was Bishop Sankey and Jeremy Hill, and both of them, you know, did pretty well, and, and Carlos Hyde. But if you compare them as, as NFL draft prospects, I mean, Gordon and Gurley are both far above them. And I think the year before, I'm just going back, Giovanni Bernard, Le'Veon Bell. Bernard Bernard was great at UNC. Eddie Lacy. Or, Eddie Lacy, but all, all those guys had a lot more questions, and, and Gordon and Gurley are much more of the prototypical NFL-type running back. So you don't get two of those in a draft in, you know, that often. Well, there is uh, – I'd say two years ago you can make an argument that, that there was no running back that warranted a first-round pick coming out. Uh, when you have Le'Veon Bell and Eddie Lacy, last year people were saying – Jeremy Hill could have been a, a tweener for a second rounder, but I thought Carlos Hyde was a slam dunk as a first round pick, and he wasn't picked in the first round. Well, of course he did. So I'm, oh, I think, no, I I think you forget how good uh, everybody had him rated. It, it was surprising that he wasn't the first running back chosen. It wasn't just me, and I know that I'm biased because I am an Ohio State fan. But yeah, I, I, I mean, Clay Mason was my favorite running back in that draft. Um, he was a little undersized, but I, I liked him. I thought he'd be a bruiser, and and he just went to the perfect offense, running behind Greg Robinson again, and. In St. Louis, he's your fantasy he's he's fantasy guy for next year. Yeah, no, I uh, I played him a lot this year in fantasy, and he won me a lot of games, particularly against the Raiders. But uh, you asked me who my number one fantasy player is next year, I'd have to say uh, maybe Le'Veon Bell. If he if he's not suspended with him being suspended, uh, you know I got to see where where Adrian Peterson ends up playing. He'll be fresh and hungry. Yeah, I think actually next year should be a very interesting fantasy draft. I, I think the top ten is going to be totally different than what we're used to. Um, all the old guard are no longer going to be top ten. I mean, Adrian Peterson, people are going to be scared to take. Uh, 
Aaron Foster, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting. But uh, I, I'm thinking more about the draft for the NFL draft before we get to, to fantasy. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm excited. DJ has that countdown. He would tell us the exact number of days until the draft. It's only, it's only a few months away. So uh, we still have pro days. We still have private workouts. Should be fun. Is there anyone that you're looking forward to the most for their pro day? If I had to pick somebody that I'm, I would just, if I got to watch them work out in person, I'd say Bud Dupree. I don't think Vic Beasley needs to do anything after the combine he had. Uh, just players that didn't really do that great in the combine. It would be interesting to see. Um, Trey Wayne is somebody that I'm very interested in watching. Uh, Tyler Lockett is somebody that I think is going to have a good pro day and end up maybe slipping in late in the first round because this, this draft class is absolutely loaded at the receiver position, not unlike last year's draft class. Shane, Shane Ray is coming up. Uh, I don't see Shane Ray lasting. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna fall off, and I think he's gonna be somebody that's drafted in the 15 to 20 range, maybe 20 to 25. I was never that. I wasn't. I don't see too much of a difference between Shane Ray and Michael Sam. Wow. I mean, yeah, production-wise, there's a big difference. Yeah, I think speed-wise, there's a big difference too. No, versatility-wise too. Speed-wise, I mean, Michael Sam's a big difference. Michael Sam really had one position. Yeah, but speed-wise, Ray, speed-wise is the difference. Shane Ray will run a much faster 40 time, but I'm talking about in terms of production, you can't say Michael Sam was SEC Defense Player of the Year. I just well, don't as, see as Shane he, being able to do the things in coverage and playing in open space that makes him a uh, an outside linebacker, and he's a little small to be a defensive end. He's a good player. I just don't think he's somebody that warrant. I see him in the top ten in every mock draft I look at, and that, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, we got a few good pro days coming up. DJ mentioned this in his news and notes today. Um, so there are some of the smaller schools, Ball State, Grand Valley State, Montana, Northern, Arizona. But tomorrow, you're going to have Arizona, you're going to have Kansas State, UCLA, which should tell a lot about the prospects. And then on uh, Wednesday is a big day. You have Alabama, Oklahoma, Rutgers, USC, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Louisville, Colorado State, Eastern Washington, Central Arkansas. Marshall, I mean, those, those are some big, big-time schools having a pro day in the same day. So, And then your Ohio yeah, State Buckeyes, day. Zach, are on, on uh, Friday, along with Georgia Tech, Oregon State, and uh, West Virginia. Well, the Buckeyes this year really are not going to have uh, too many players. They will, I mean, uh, as much as any school will. But Ohio State's pro day next year is going to be probably the greatest pro day in the history of pro days. They're gonna have, uh, they're gonna, they have so much talent. I know we're, we're, we weren't talking about Ohio State, but they're, I mean, next oh year, my. the fact that they're not even to win the national championship blows my mind with their schedule. They, they are going to be so good. It's going to be crazy. Uh, I know a lot of people are starting to say this. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think Jameis Winston's a slam-dunk pick to Tampa Bay. And I think if Vincent Jackson stays or whoever they line up upside Mike, Mike Evans, uh, I mean, I see Jameis Winston immediately becoming a borderline elite quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger. This is a, a team that's in a pretty weak division that I think is should go from being a 2-14 and 14 team to being the favorite to win the division. And also, I'm confused as why so many people are taking Kevin White over uh, Amari Cooper. I know that Kevin White really was impressive in the way he tested, but uh, I still just watching Amari Cooper play, it's really not about about the testing. It's uh, Amari Cooper, I think, is definitely the best receiver in, in this year's class, and I think the Raiders would make a classic Raider mistake if they took Kevin White. 
I happen to agree with you there. I, I'm not a big Kevin White fan either. And unfortunately, when you do these, he's top, good. He's definitely good. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not a top top five top ten pick Kevin White fan. I, I just think, you know, unfortunately when you do these mocks, we have to listen to what we think the NFL teams are going to do. And right now it's looking like he might be the first pick off the board for the Raiders. So that's why we have him at number four. But uh, if I were the GM, I'd take Cooper too. Uh, you know what, I'd probably wait till the second round to take a wide receiver. Yeah, I'm just saying that I re- – and the other thing is I really don't think that uh, – that I think Shane Ray after his pro day is just going to keep dropping. I don't see – Shane Ray was somebody that I was seeing as like the third overall pick just a few weeks ago. I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Shane Ray dropping. Who, t- who takes Mariota? And I think uh, Winston's a, a slam dunk. I'm, I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer, and uh, I think he's he's going to be excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think someone's definitely going to trade up for Mariota at number two. When I look at this draft, a lot of times when I look at drafts, I say, okay, how many how many guys in this draft are going to be elite players that you know of? And you could say Winston and you could say Leonard Williams. Beyond that, I could say, well, these guys are probably going to be good. But, you know, there's really no certainty. And Vic Beasley is one of the top guys on a lot of people's boards. But he was very inconsistent at Clemson. And I think when it comes down to it, because you have those two guys, the next best quarterback who did pretty phenomenal at Oregon, and despite the fact that it was not an NFL offense, it's hard to get a quarterback who put up those kind of numbers with that much success at one school. And, um, you know, I think teams are going to say, well, let's try to get one of the top three elite guys and Mariota might be in the second tier, but he, he might be by himself in that second tier right behind Winston. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Winston goes first. Leonard Williams is too good to pass up for Tennessee, and then if anybody trades up, they trade up with Jacksonville to take Mariota at three. Uh, obviously, the Eagles are will, will be in play if they can if they're a team that's considering trading up. So uh, yeah, we'll see. And Mariota had bigger hands than uh, Winston, which is a, you know a metric that I think is often overlooked. And, uh, I mean, he tested about as well as you could possibly test. He, if you look at his numbers, he's easily the best quarterback. But when you watch, when you watch him play, you watch the system they're in, you watch uh, the way he threw at the combine. I mean, Jameis Winston's just a, more of a natural passer, has more anticipation when he throws the ball, plays in a pro-style offense. Just a slam dunk first overall pick. So uh, I think the first two picks are almost slam dunks, and then it gets interesting around three. And then, then the Jaguars are the trade bait. The Jaguars are the lucky team that maybe some team pays a little bit more to to get Mariota. That would be good for the Jaguars because they, they need a lot of help, I think. Yes, they do. And they're another team that has a lot of money to spend, and the, since there's a minimum in the NFL this year, expect them to be incredibly active in free agency. Yeah, I can see that. They, yeah. they, they're the type of team that, you know, they could surprise a few people with a good draft and a couple good uh, free agent signings. So. I don't think they're going to surprise right. anybody because I think Blake Bortles is garbage. And I think until you have a good quarterback, I think it's going, to cost, it's going to cost Gus Bradley his job having Blake Bortles. I just don't see him progressing. I've been so low on Blake Bortles since the beginning. Like I, When they were considering him as the number one overall pick. I, granted, I was very high on Manziel, and I still have not given up on Manziel. But I take Manziel over Bortles. I just don't think Bortles is good at all. So uh, another player that I'm, I'm, I'm watching and I think is going to climb the way that Ray is going to fall is Trey Waynes. I think he's definitely going to be the first corner off the board. He's a guy that could go as high as five. My big faller, this is a guy who everyone had kind of low, 
and then he skyrocketed up trap board, but I think he's going to fall again, and that's Dante Fowler. Um, I, I just think, you know, he, he's got some injury concerns, and I, I don't know if he – I mean, defensive end, there's a premium, so it's, it's hard to say that he's, he's another defensive guy I could see dropping a little bit. Yeah, it depends what you're saying, dropping. I see some people have him go as high as three. I, yeah, I could see him dropping from that, but, he, I mean, he's the real deal. He's the real deal all across the board on tape, the way he tested. So, I mean, I, I don't really see him falling past, I'd say, the, the eight. I'd say that's, the, that's as far as he lasts, the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I think, the, I think also the quarterbacks are going to be the ones that you could see as the biggest risers. Um, you know, I think every year there's teams trying to trade into the late first round, and those teams are always trying to trade out of the first round. Uh, but I think when you when you have quality guys, uh, guys with potential like Brent uh, Brent Hundley, which some teams love him, some teams hate him, but he's got a lot of potential. I could see a team trading up for him, and even a guy um, like Bryce Petty. I mean, he, he he's a successful guy, yeah, with a good size. Uh, you know, if you want a quarterback that could come in and potentially start, you know, mid midway through the season, I, I think. Bryce Petty is your guy. I'm not 100% sold on Bryce Petty because he played in a, a ridiculous system. I mean, you know, in the Baylor passing system. He's uh, he's proper size. People think he's a lot smaller than he is, and he's much more athletic than people give him credit for. But uh, out of all the quarterbacks next year, there's only one that I really see as a surefire starter in the NFL, not just a starter but a pro bowler, you know, Jameis Winston. To, there's so many things that you can monitor with a quarterback. Starts, completion percentage, wins. He has all of them, and the fact that he did all of this with serious allegations hanging over his head. It just shows that he has the ability to block things out when he's on the field. A guy that has that, that uh, just passion for sports. And uh, I feel like uh, Manziel had the passion for football, but it was maybe a little overwhelmed by his passion for partying. Um, we'll see how his mindset is after a very, very tumultuous first year. But Jameis Winston is somebody that can experience negative emotion and, and things not going his way and overcome it. And uh, that's why I think he's uh, as, as good as a prospect. Is He's definitely top five quarterback prospects in my lifetime. We'll see, but that's, uh, that's about it. You got your crew locked down.